is a name that's above every name. Even in 41 weeks of COVID, Jesus is still the omnipotent one. He is still the great physician. He's the one to whom we look, the one to whom we trust today. Glad you're here. Okay, give an air hug to somebody, okay, and then be seated. Air hug, yeah, no, no, yeah, okay. All right, Doc, I saw that. I saw that. You may be seated for just a few moments here before we continue our worship in a little bit. We're so glad to have you here. Those who are watching by way of Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much for uh, catching the live stream. We uh, hope you'll do that every week, and we hope that if you didn't maybe see one of the weeks that you'll go back and uh, pick it up off the websites. They are archived at those two locations. Uh, in the way of announcements, just want to say next week, next Sunday, going to encourage you all to be wise, a wise person. Not wise men, wise person, okay? That is all-inclusive, uh, men and women. Be a wise person for Christmas. Uh, and then uh, those that are members of First Baptist Church in Coronado, please continue to be faithful with your tithes and offerings. It's very important, even more important, I suppose, than when everybody's able to come and be here. Don't forget to put the Lord first in that, and He will bless you for it. If you need something, say something. There's something we can do to help you out. We would be glad to do that. If we had a bulletin, we would hand it out. This would be what I would write in the bulletin this week. Starlight, star bright. How many remember that, huh? Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. You, do you remember that English nursery rhyme? Of course you do. It's short and sweet. The superstition of hoping for wishes to be granted when seeing the first star of the evening or when seeing a shooting or a falling star may well date back to the ancient world. The song and tradition reached Britain by early 20th century at least and has since spread worldwide. While wishing upon a star has no guarantees of making any difference in anyone's life, today we will talk about a star that changed the world forever. The star was prophesied 1,500 years before it actually appeared. It was a supernatural event foretold by one of God's prophets of old. The star of which I speak is the Christmas star. Matthew talks about it in his gospel in Matthew 2, 9 and 10. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. The original wise men rejoiced at the star, not because of the star, but because of who it led them to find. Because of the words of God and a heavenly star, a long journey found its reward in a room in Bethlehem. They found Jesus, the Messiah. Let's be stars for Jesus. May others find him because we let our light shine. Starlight, star bright, guide the lost 
to Jesus tonight. That's our desire. That's our prayer. And speaking of prayers, Rachel, would you come and lead us in prayer uh, for some folks that have some special needs right now? So, Rachel. Let's pray. Gracious Father, um, thank you so much for the ability to be here today and for all of the body of believers who are here, Father. Thank you, Lord, for all who are watching, Lord, and I pray you would minister to our hearts as we dwell in your presence. You are here, Emmanuel. You are God with us, Lord. And you are with me right now, or you are with everyone else and wherever they are. Father, I just lift up Nadia and Natalia Chada to you, Lord. I ask you to be with them and minister to them, Lord, and heal their bodies. I pray, Lord, for Karen and Lily and Sammy, Father, as they continue to get well. And I know that you are providing to them rest that we also desperately need right now. Rest in our hearts and our minds from the things going on in this world. Father, I lift up Fitz and um, the funeral that he is attending for Chris Brittingham, Lord, and their family. I pray, Lord, for their family. God, this life is so short. <laughs> and, um, Lord, we are citizens in heaven. And I pray, God, that we don't, are not bound by the weight of this world. I pray that you would free us from the oppression, from the fear, from the things that are causing our hearts to ache. Lord, give us sweet reprieve as we come to you and, and gain comfort from you alone. Lord, I pray for Mick Wilson, um, who was attending his cousin's funeral today for Jeffrey Jones. I lift up his family to you, Lord, and I thank you for his life. Thank you, Father, for... Um, that he was a believer and he has salvation in Jesus' name and he is with you and he is glorified in his body right now and he is dancing with you and rejoicing with you without the, without the oppression, without the sin, without the shame that we all have to walk here still. Lord, so thank you, God, and I pray your blessings upon Fitz and Mick's return home to their families, Lord. And I definitely lift up our country to you, Father. There is a war going on. And thank you for inviting us to be a part of it. Thank you, Father, for the battle in which we would be so complacent and so nonchalant if we weren't your child. So we thank you, God, for the battle that you would assert us, that you would help us to take heed to your word that we would obey you, that we would trust you in the obedience that you give to us, Lord. Thank you for showing us what we need to do next. You are our shepherd, Father. Help us to surrender our lives to you, Lord, and guide our steps. What is the next right thing? Thank you, Jesus, for answering that according to your word. It's not according to our thoughts, according to our own heart, our fickle heart, Lord. Um, you minister to our hearts and speak to our hearts every day. It is by your grace that we can hear you and listen and move out of faith instead of fear. Jesus, because if we love you and we know you and we are kept by the power of God, then, then we are better off in heaven, Jesus. We know that, Lord. Help us to not be foolish, but to walk in faith, trusting in you and your power. We have seen your glory in so many ways, Lord. How can we neglect such a great salvation? How, Lord, can we live only by your blood, by the death on the cross, that we might be able to live Oh, Lord, thank you for our pastor. Thank you for our church. Thank you that you have given him a steadfast ability to continue to preach even while he's wondering, you know, all sorts of things. And he's got to cling tight to your robe, Lord, 
And I know that because in my prayers, it's the same. I'm asking you to speak to us, Lord, and teach us. Continue to sanctify us in your amazing grace. You haven't left us the same. We are continuing to change even right now. Lord, thank you, God, for not leaving us the same. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving me dead. Thank you, Lord, for raising us up to new life here. We have eternity right now. Father, I pray for Monica and Armida, and um, I pray I miss them greatly, Lord. They are my sisters in Christ, and you are you are with them right now, wherever they are, and they haven't been able to be here, Father. And I just thank you that you are with them, Lord. Your power will reign in their lives. Your Holy Spirit will minister to their hearts today, and you will heal them of this sickness, Lord. Thank you, God. Uh, pray for Billy, Billy Falling's brother, David. Be with him, God, where he is, Lord. Minister to his heart, God. Bring people alongside him to provide for him in whatever way that he needs, Lord. Thank you, Father, for technology, for having the ability to get on video and to get on phone calls and to do these things that, are, that we still are separated. But, Lord, let us know who we need to call today. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, um, for this life. Thank you, Father, for my family, and this is all of my family. I'm so thankful for the blood of Christ that reconciles us as one family, one united in the spirit, mm -hmm. that we might just continue to do what you've asked us to do in all of our different circumstances. It's, it's the precious gift of God to love one another. Search our hearts, Lord. Test our thoughts. Help us to know that to live is Christ, to die is gain. Die is gain? Lord, are you serious right now? What is going on? Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Do we believe that to die is gain? <laughs> because we all need to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Um, we have a celebration today that I wanted to share. And thank you guys for all being the church. But, Pastor, thank you for being your steadfast leader that you are and continuing to do these things. And I get it. <laughs> I think everyone here gets it. And I'm so grateful for that. And thank you for shepherding us and um, a living testimony you are. Thank you, both of you. You're a living testimony. And... So, COVID has been a, a nuisance, to say the least. Um, so, thank you for doing this. And so, we have a bonus for you this year that includes COVID. <laughs> a little extra, a little extra, because we all need a little extra. Oh, my goodness, gosh. <laughs> um, and it's a birthday. So we want to celebrate you right now with your birthday. Thank you, Pastor, for everything that you do. Can we all sing as a congregation right now? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear Pastor. Happy birthday to you. From all of us, thank you so much. Yeah, my husband's watching. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> By this church, I just uh, thank you for your love. Uh, it's been a, an unexpected chapter in our lives that has been uh, an incredible blessing, and I just burned my finger doing that. I can't, can't believe I did that, but. 
Thank you so much. Let's, let's continue to worship the Lord as we stand together. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
I think that hymn was probably made famous by Billy Graham's Crusades, as he would sing that as an invitational hymn to come to Christ in salvation. But as you read the words and as you sing the song, it's uh, more than just coming for salvation. It's coming for everything we need from him. He's able there. He, he wants us to come to him. So, And I appreciate Rachel so much taking us to the very throne of grace in her prayers. You may be seated, adults uh, here that are going to be following along in the Word of God would like for you to turn in your Bibles to, uh, first of all, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, uh, but for the boys and girls that are here, by the way, I'm supposed to mention on the back table in the hallway where we used to have coffee and donuts and such, there's some individually wrapped uh, cupcakes in celebration of someone's year of their birth, so... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead and grab those, too. So you can get them now if you want, or you can wait till after the service, either one. So, But for the boys and girls that are watching by way of YouTube or that are watching on Facebook or the boys and girls that might be here in the auditorium, uh, how many of you know the, the nursery rhyme, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? How many know that? How many adults know that one, huh? All right, of course we do. How many of you knew there were five verses to it? Did you know that? Five verses. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. When the blazing sun is gone, when he nothing shines upon, then you show your little light. Twinkle, twinkle, all the night. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. Then the traveler in the dark thanks you for your tiny spark. He could not see which way to go if you did not twinkle so. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. In the dark blue sky you keep, and often through thy curtains peep, for you never shut your eye till the sun is in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. As your bright and tiny spark lights the traveler in the dark, though I know not what you are, twinkle, twinkle, little star, Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Boys and girls, I want to tell you what those stars are. Those are part of God Almighty's creation. And you know what? There was a time when just about everybody believed and knew that God created the heavens and the earth and all of the animals and all the people and all of the fish in the sea and all the birds in the air. There was a time when it was more or less universally believed that there had to be a creator <clears throat> but in the last hundred and so years, <clears throat> the idea has been taught, and it's taught in some of your schools, boys and girls, that we just evolved. We, just, uh, we, we were lower animal forms, and then we became human beings, and <clears throat> all the stars in the sky got there because of some big bang uh, theory. But I want you to know that they're wrong. Uh, by the way, uh, this last week, uh, adults, uh, Henry Morris passed away uh, of the Institute for Creation uh, learning and so on, and, and has been a great defender uh, of the Christian faith and the Christian belief in creationism. <clears throat> he went home to be with the Lord. But thank God for him and for the scientists like him who know in their hearts and know the, the fact of creationism. So, 
So you see, boys and girls, God created all of the stars, our sun, the moon, everything that is. God is the creator of them. He created one star that's a special one called the Christmas star by some people. And it's the most famous of all because it showed the wise men of old how to find the baby Jesus. So today we're going to talk about, to the adults and to you, we're going to be talking about why we need to be stars this Christmas. Let your light shine, boys and girls. Be a star for him. Okay, moms and dads, do you decorate for Christmas? How many of you decorate for Christmas? Huh? Let me see your hands. How many of you go, bah humbug, I don't want to do all that stuff, all right? Okay, if you do, what are your favorite decorations? I think for a lot of time, for a long time, one of my favorite was the little nativity sets that we used to have at home, uh, and they were just so pretty, and I would just imagine, as a, as a little boy, I'd imagine uh, the animals there and the, and the stable and the manger and Joseph and Mary and the angel and the, and the shepherds and all of that. Uh, some of you probably like the tree. Uh, I, I love our tree because I just take it out of a box and set it up and plug it in. It's ready to go. Um, the other kind that shed everywhere, you know, you, you, you drag them through the house and leaves a path of green needles, not so much. But anyhow, some of you love the trees, you love the ornaments, you love the Christian lights. Uh, the, the newest thing is the blow-up characters, and I've got this little nativity blow-up character. It's kind of cartoonish, really. It's not, it doesn't look like real people in there, but it's kind of, car- but it's, it's sweet, and it's cute, and I like that, all right. Uh, but today, I want to challenge you. Uh, to think about the star. On top of the tree, if you decorate trees, a lot of times there'll be one of two things there. What, what, what are one of those two things that might be there? A star and an angel. One or the other. There may be a star. There may be an angel. There's no right or wrong. This is not a quiz, all right? Uh, but even the Christmas lights, I think, are typical of stars. And last week, I challenged you to be a manger. And for those of you that weren't here or weren't watching last week, how would I ask you to be a manger, what, what was the manger filled with? It was filled with Jesus, and we should be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the manger was available. We should be available. It was humble. It was very humble. We should be humble. It fed those uh, with whom it came in contact, the bread of life. We should feed people the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a place of living sacrifice where the grain gave itself uh, to the animal. The animal later on would give itself uh, to, the, to the man, to the human being. So uh, be a living sacrifice for him who was born in a stable and laid in a manger. But today I'm going to challenge you to be a star. So twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Well, let me tell you what the little stars are. The short answer is stars are huge celestial bodies made mostly of hydrogen and helium, and they produce a lot of light and a lot of heat from a churning nuclear forge inside their cores. Aside from our sun, which is a star, the dots of light we see in the sky are many, many light years from the earth. <clears throat> light years are weird things. Light years are the speed of light uh, over 365 days. So 186,000 miles a second. 186,000 miles a second. So times 60 would be a minute. Times 60 would be an hour. Times 24 would be a day. Times 7 would be a week. Times however many. 52 would be... Uh, the, so. However far light travels at that speed uh, in one year, one whole year, uh, some of those suns are so far away that they've already burned out and we still see their light and will for uh, hundreds of years. In our solar system, our sun system, the planets rotate around our star, our sun, and are kept in orbit partially by its gravitational pull, mainly because God put it there. And by, all thing, by him, all things consist. All things stay together. The stars that we see at night that twinkle don't really twinkle. They're not twinkling. It's the atmosphere and what happens when the light comes through the atmosphere that makes So that's what stars are. From where do stars come? Well, science so-called. Science so-called. And by the way, the Bible is not anti-science. The Bible is anti-false science. It's anti-man's ideas, theories, and suggestions that are elevated above the clear, clear, clear teaching, of, teaching of the Word of God. Science so-called says that stars are born within clouds of dust and scattered throughout most galaxies. And if you're an evolutionist, then you ultimately believe that the stars came from the Big Bang Theory. This massive explosion 
And that means you believe order and design came out of chaos. Doesn't happen. If you have an explosion, it doesn't blow all the pieces into a beautiful castle. If your car blows up, it doesn't make a Rolls Royce, okay? It messes up what good was there. So understand that, uh, that, that order and design do not come out of chaos. So anytime someone says the Big Bang Theory, you say, all right. Uh, and you must also believe, if you're an evolutionist, that, every, evolutionist, that everything came from nothing. Everything there is came from absolutely nothing. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have nearly enough faith to be an evolutionist. And they say, well, what do you believe? I, I believe God. An omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient being created everything that is. Well, you, you have to have a lot of faith to believe in God. You have to have a lot of faith to believe in nothing. Nobody did everything and, everything, and everyone. What is the matter with you? If you're a Christian or a Jew, you may believe the stars were the direct creation of Almighty God. You're in Genesis chapter 1, if you did what I asked you to do earlier. And it says there, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament. That's the open expanse of the, of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And we mark uh, time by the rotation around the sun, uh, 365 days. Every fourth year we catch up with uh, 366 uh, day year. Uh, and so it tells us signs, tells us seasons, tells us days, tells us years, and let them be for lights in the firmament, the expanse uh, of the heavens, to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light, that's our sun, to rule the day, and the lesser light, our moon, which gives reflected light, does not have light of its own, gives the reflected light of the sun to rule the night. And he made the stars, which are other suns also. And God set them in the firmament, the expanse of the heavens, to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and to rule over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. That's where they came from. That's what the Bible says. It makes a lot more sense than what some pseudoscientists say. What do stars do? Well, they beautify the sky. Who here has not at some point in your life laid down on a, on a grass, grassy lawn or a, or a blanket or something and looked up at the stars, and especially if you get away from the city? You people who only see the stars from the city, bless your little hearts. You don't have a clue. There are so many, I mean, it's just crazy. And you look at the Milky Way, and I'm not talking about the candy bar. You look at the Milky Way, and it's just so many stars. Get out in the country and look up sometime. They beautify the dark sky. They give off light and heat in the process. How many poems have been written about stars? How many, how many songs have been written about stars, I wonder? Life on Earth, as we know it, would not exist and could not exist without our sun. Our planet would be frozen. We wouldn't be able to exist, uh, and the orbit would no longer be stable, and nothing could grow or live in such an environment. Uh, the stars help planets to stay in orbit by way of gravitational pull. Given enough time, they will burn out. And as I said, scientists tell us, and I assume this to be the fact, that some of them have in fact burned out, but their light is still coming because they're so far away. Which, which by the way, gives you, when you start studying, and I haven't prepared this for today, when you start studying the distances that the stars are away and the galaxies are away, it's like, all of a sudden, God becomes really big, really powerful, because it's so incredible. What can we do with the stars? Well, we can admire them. I already mentioned that. We go out and look. My wife has something on her iPad, or she did have, where she'd you know, turn it around and look up, and she'd point out constellations. Now, now i got to tell you about constellations. I don't have a clue. I, had, I couldn't even ever, ever find the Big Dipper. I mean, it was like... I, I don't know. You, oh, don't you see? There's the Big Dipper right there. See, there's the... St sure. All right. Okay. I, I feel like I'm talking to a Big Dipper. I, I don't know what you're talking about up there. And then they have bears and you know, all these different things. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't, I don't know what's going on. We can admire them. Uh, and and, and back, in fact, the first song I ever learned, I ever played in public was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star on my cornet <clears throat> at a concert when, in elementary school. So, so we can admire them. Uh, 
And, and, and some say, some, I think, I don't know if Henry Morris did or not, but some say that, in fact, the constellations used to tell the story of God's creation, that, that after the fall, uh, that one of the things that changed was that, that ability, and we don't mess with the horoscope as Christians, don't have anything to do with it, but the, zod- the, the signs uh, and the heavens, I'm told, used to spell out, don't take that for gospel truth, used to spell out uh, the creation story. We can navigate by them. We can navigate by the stars. Sailors used to do that. Most ancient sailors used to sail within sight of land so they could keep their bearings, so they know where they were. But when they would venture out, when they would uh, take that risk and go out of sight of land, then they would use the constellations and stars in the sky, and they had special instruments that would be able to figure out where they were. So we can do a lot with the stars. What, what is the Christmas star? Because that's what I want to talk about primarily t- today. Science so-called, and, and again, science so-called says it, it was an unusual alignment of planets, namely Jupiter and Saturn, and that that's going to happen again, I think it's December the 21st, it's supposed to happen again, so, uh, or the 20th, 20th or 21st, so it's online, maybe it was Jupiter, Jupiter not Juniper, uh, <laughs> Jupiter and Saturn, or someone says, some other scientists say, well, it was a comet. <clears throat> or some other scientists say, well, it was a meteor. Still others call it a conjunction and retrograde phenomenon. I don't know what that means. But anyhow, <clears throat> why can't it just be a star that was created by God and put there to draw the magi to the baby Jesus? Why couldn't it be that? <clears throat> what does the Bible say about it? You remember, you remember the prophet Balaam? You remember him? Remember he was Beor's son, a prophet, a soothsayer in Mesopotamia, uh, and he was hired by a Moabite king named Balak, and he was hired specifically to pronounce a curse upon Israel, because Israel had started coming into the land, and all of a sudden uh, they were defeating uh, cities, they defeated Jericho, they defeated Ai, they were, they were coming in, they, they defeated the Amorites in Numbers chapter 21, that instilled fear in the heart of this Moabite king. And so he knew that Balaam was a great prophet. He said, here's what I want you to do. He sent, sent some dignitaries to approach him. He said, I want you to come, and I want you to pronounce a curse upon these invaders in our land. I want you to pronounce a curse upon them, because there was the belief back then uh, that once a curse was placed, it could not be un, undone. And so Balak sent messengers uh, where Balaam lived and offered an impressive sum of money and some other uh, awards if he would go ahead and do exactly what they asked. But Balaam was warned in, a, warned in a dream not to go with them, not to do the cursing, not even to accompany them at all. And so at first, Balaam says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, and they, they offer him more money. And he said, look, if you offer me everything, I'm not going to do it. God said not to do it. They come back in. And then he goes to God again. He's kind of, are you sure, Lord? Are you sure? You don't? And he kind of argues with God a little bit. And then God says, okay, go, but you say what I tell you to say. What follows there, to me, and I hope this is not sacrilegious, is one of the most amusing stories in the entire Word of God. I love it when Balaam starts talking to his donkey. (laughs) Actually, the donkey initiated the conversation. And, you know, I, I, I can't help but think, why didn't Balaam say, what? Did you just talk? But he doesn't. He argues with his donkey. And, and the donkey actually saved his life. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. But I think it's a, I love that passage of Scripture. So when Balaam comes to the point of oversight up high, overlooking where Israel was, and he was supposed to pronounce a curse, what does he do? Pronounces a what? A blessing. Oh, Bala, Balak is not happy. Not happy at all. He takes him to a second place. So, okay, curse him now. And Balaam opens up his mouth, and out comes a second blessing upon Israel. He takes him to a third place, opens his mouth a third time, and out comes a blessing for the third time. But also in these series of utterances, he gives prophecies. And and the significant one for today's message is part of the third prophecy. It's found in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, the first part of that verse. When he talks about, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the, in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. 
a scepter will emerge from Israel. Numbers 24, 17, the first part of verse 17. Now, what he's saying is, I see him, Israel. I see this people, not here, not now, another time. I perceive him, but in the distant future. Because why? Because this prophecy in Numbers 24 was written 1,450 years before Christ was born. 1,450 years, thereabouts, before Jesus was born. So this is a true biblical prophecy uttered by a prophet of God. He says, a star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel. This imagery is written in the hieroglyphic language of the East and denotes uh, some eminent ruler, primarily David, but secondarily and preeminently the Messiah. And it, 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 it fulfills or is part of the extended prophecy of Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10. And this is what's called the star in the east. This is what's called the star of Bethlehem. This is what some call the Christmas star. And it is this star, I think, I think maybe not Jupiter and Saturn. I, this is my own personal opinion. I think maybe not a comet, not a meteor. Uh, I think maybe something special God did in the heavens for this particular point in time. Because you remember it appeared and, and it drew the Magi for a period of time, and then they lost sight of it. And then, having lost sight of it, they went to Herod, you remember, to ask for further instruction. And then what happened was, uh, later on, the, the star appeared to them once again. So these Magi from the east, most, most likely Arabia, Babylon, Persia, right over there where we have been in the thick of things since, uh, since uh, 2001, I guess. 2001, uh, they claim to have seen the star that guide them to the house where Jesus and Mary were. Now, last week, I asked you to be a manger, be filled with, with Jesus, be available, be humble, feed those with whom we come in contact the bread of life, be a living sacrifice. Today, I want you to be a star for Christ. In Matthew 2, 2, it says, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. By the way, it doesn't say three. The three wise men, that's, you know, tradition. It, uh, we don't know how many there were. There were three gifts that were presented. There could have been more or less. But they were wise men who came from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born, the king of the Jews? For why? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. So what in the world am I saying? I want you to be a star. I want, I want to be a star for this Christmas. First of all, we can illuminate the darkness. Like the sun scatters the darkness. Darkness cannot comprehend, cannot overcome the light. That's why one of my favorite services is our candlelight service, which unfortunately this year because of COVID we aren't going to do. But that, that one candle in an absolutely dark room with no windows whatsoever, that one candle will light up that room. Now, it won't be, you know, like daylight everywhere, but that, that darkness cannot, uh, cannot extinguish the light of one candle. So we can illuminate the darkness, this old dark world, this anti-Christ world, this anti-Christ nation, this anti-Christ city, this anti-Christ government, this anti-Christ spirit that's out there. We can illuminate the darkness, and, and like the sun scatters the darkness of night, uh, how do we do that? Well, the wise men had been reading scriptures. That's how they knew of the prophecy. So if you're going to be scattering the light, scattering the darkness, rather, if you're going to be a light for Christ, if you're going to illuminate, you need to know what this book has to say. You need to get in this book, and, and this will throw light on the stuff that's going on all around us every day. Every day, I get in this book every morning, and, and, and I find things, and, and God is like says, whoa, look at this. And I, and I said, this is, like, this is like a newspaper reading what's going on today, written hundreds or thousands of years ago. But it's like, it's like it knows what's going on today because it's the Word of God. It's alive. It's living. It's, it, it, pierces, it, it, it divides the, the, for the quick from the morrow. It, it, it is a living Word of God. So let's be in the Word. Let's, let's dispel the darkness. Let's, let's know the prophecies. Let's know the Word of God. We can also help navigate life and help others navigate life. As the stars became the objects of, of, of navigation for the sailors in, ancient, in the ancient world, we can become, uh, we can help people navigate life. The Magi were from four to 700 miles away from Bethlehem. 
But the star showed them the way to where Jesus was born. In Matthew 2, 9, it said, When they had heard the king, they departed, and though the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Another reason I believe it was a special, uh, a special heavenly body that, Christ, that God prepared, it, 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 it kind of led them. It wasn't in one place. It went before them, and it came and stood. Then it stood still over the house where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great wonder, exceeding great wonder. And when they were coming to the house, which, by the way, can mean household or family, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A trip of 400 miles by camelback, I haven't proved this. I read this, okay? Uh, a, a trip of 400 miles would have taken approximately two to three weeks uh, if they were traveling by camel or, or around a month's journey by foot. Now, if we assume they only traveled at night when they could see the star, then it would take longer than that. If it was more than 400 miles, it would take longer than that. So they could have been anywhere from three or four weeks to two or three, three or four months in their traveling. But ultimately, that star drew them to Israel, drew them to Bethlehem, and, and this possibly, probably was not on the night of his birth, but it was a little bit after that. Uh, like, and so, the, like a star, we can lead people to Jesus Christ. We can point them in the right direction. My wife brought up a point. I was telling her what I was going to preach on this week, and she said, um, you know what, sometimes we're the only Bible that some people ever read. Well, is that scriptural? Yeah, because Paul said, you are our epistle, our letter, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. You are living letters known and read by those who are around you. So you may well be the only Jesus some people see. That's why your testimony is so important. That's why it's so important to always be on your best behavior, to always represent Christ in an honorable way, to always ask yourself, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus handle this situation? How can we lead people to Jesus one of my favorite ways, there, there, there are several ways. There's no one way, but my favorite way has been the Romans Road of Salvation ever since I can remember when, I, I, ever since I remembered how, uh, the first time I was taught how to lead someone to Christ. So what I have on the back table, outside on the tall table, I have a track like this that is, uh, goes into the Romans Road of Salvation, but I also printed up some four by six cards that have uh, these things I'm going to share with you right now. Uh, how to lead someone to Christ. And the reason I wanted this was you can put this on the inside of your Bible if, if you haven't uh, got a plan of salvation already or something that you work with all the time. You can put this uh, like, you know, like where I have a sticky note right there. You can put it like here or there and, and have it uh, available to you. But here's basically what the Romans wrote of salvation is. First of all, tell them that all have sinned. Everybody's a sinner. I'm, I usually say I'm a pastor, but I am a sinner. I am, I am not any different than anybody else in this whole wide world. And Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness are as filthy rags, aren't they? They are to be discarded. They cannot be cleansed. They cannot be purified. Our righteousness uh, doesn't work. So there's none righteous, no, not one. But, and in Romans 3.23, it says, for all sin comes short of the glory of God. If we were to have a contest to see who could jump the highest on the front of the church building and, and tag the top. None of us, nobody here, I don't care how high you can jump, would be able to touch, touch the top, the roof, uh, from standing on the ground jumping up. Nobody would be able to. Some of you will jump a lot higher than I can. I might jump higher than one or two of you. But the fact is, nobody is going to touch the top, and nobody can get to heaven by themselves. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. There is not one righteous, no, not one. So you tell them, first of all, that we're all sinners. Secondly, you tell them an obvious thing, we all have to die. And we all will die unless Christ comes back in our lifetime. 
we all are going to die. For the way, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the, de- the, the, the death is, is going to happen. It's the wages. What are wages? Wages are what you get when you, that's what you earn when you work. If you work at Vaughn's grocery store and you get a paycheck every week or every two weeks or however it is they pay, you get your wages less all of the love offering you send to Gavin Newsom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, so th- that's the wage, the wages of sin. Because we're sinners, we're going to die. When Adam and Eve sinned, they began to die. The Satan said, you're not going to die. And the day that you eat there, if you're not going to die, it's a lie from Satan. They began to die immediately. They died spiritually right away, but they began to die physically the day they disobeyed God. But the good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you tell them that all sin, you tell them everybody's going to die, then you tell them, guess what? Jesus already has died for us. He's already proved his love for us. Romans 5, 8, God commended his love toward us. God has shown his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the price. So you tell them those three things. And then the fourth thing is, you can be saved by believing and confessing in him. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care. You know what? We were all stinking sinners. We were all lost. We were all vile. We were all undone. There's no reason for any of us to be proud and haughty about who we are because we were nothing without Christ. He died for us, and we can be saved by believing in him and confessing in him. You came in, and you, most of you came in, and you sat down on these chairs. You, you didn't test it to see if it was going to hold you up. You just sat right down there. You put your faith in the chair. I want you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You confess with your mouth. He's my Savior. You believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead because it's not just a head belief. The demons even believe up here, and they know that Jesus is the Son of God. But you've got to believe here and put your faith and trust in him. And then whosoever shall come, they shall be saved. And then I ask people, would you like to receive Christ? Would you like to pray right now? Would you like to be saved right now? And it's, it's always a blessing when they say yes. And you know what I do when, I, when I'm through? I, I want to give them some assurance because I know the first thing that's going to happen, the devil's going to tap them on the shoulder and say, what was that all about? That was nothing. That's no big deal. You're the same person you were before you prayed that prayer. You're the same person you were before you went to the church there and did that. That's no big deal. Are you sure? Did you do it just exactly right? So I love to give them 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. I say, do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. Then you you may know that you have eternal life. K-N-O. W. I love what Rachel prayed. We are, we are, we have eternal life right now. Ah, right. oh, this body's decaying. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like Pat and I get up each morning. And it's like, well, I got a new something going on here. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, I've got this. Yeah, and oh, you know what? My ankles. I don't know. That's kind of. It's. Like, I, I walk along and pieces of me fall off. It's just weird. Weird. We have. But my guess what? My spirit will never die. Born once, you die twice. Born twice, you die once. So that's what I love to do. That's why. So here's how we can be a star. We can share... We can share the word of God. We can share the plan of salvation. So be a star this Christmas. God created you to show others how he can be found. He didn't just save you so you could be all smug and sit back and say, this is great, I can't wait till I get to heaven. Take people with you. Know how to point people to Jesus by sharing the plan of salvation. Get out of the dark world and shine for the glory of God. Somebody over at Midway gave me a, a plaque years ago. I've still got it somewhere. 
Daniel 12, 3, and they that be wise, you want to be a wise, we're going to talk about being a wise man or a wise woman next week. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Be a star for Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're watching at home, would you bow your heads? Do you know somebody right now that needs the Lord? They're lost, they're miserable, they're unhappy, they're, they may be desperate. Have you given them a clear path to Jesus? Have you showed them how they can be born again? Have you showed them how they can exercise faith? Would you? Would you? your next opportunity, as God provides it, would you share the gospel? Father in heaven, if there's someone in this building or someone watching online who has yet to receive Christ as their personal Savior, may this be the day, may this be the very moment when they trust you for eternal life. And if you're that person, here's what you need to do. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to believe that you're a sinner, that you're going to die that Jesus died for us on the cross and that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised from the dead that you can be saved for whosoever shall call upon him the Lord shall be saved you need to do that right now and you can pray a prayer something like this it doesn't have to be like th these words but say something like this dear God I know I'm a sinner I know I can't get to heaven on my own I know I'm going to die and stand before you one day and I believe that Jesus is your son I believe he died on the cross for my sins I believe he rose again on the third day. And right now, I believe in you. I trust in you. As sincere as I know how to be, I, I trust in you with all my heart. God, forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. With every head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer right now, would you raise your hand up real high? Hold it up real high. Just put it up. Hold it up for a moment. I just prayed that prayer. If you're at home, raise your hand up. Just prayed that prayer. These things have I written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life because you believed in him. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to be a manger for you, to be a star for you, and to be wise for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? I'm going to ask that we sing a, a verse. We're not going to sing a bunch of verses, so if you're going to come, you need to come right away. By the way, on the back table, we have these, and we, we have these. Take them uh, on the table outside the, the double doors, the track on the Romans plan of salvation and the Romans road this way. Go ahead and take those and use those for the glory of God. Let's sing whatever song you would like to lead us in. And if you would like to come for prayer, if you need to come and receive Christ as your Savior, if you want to come and rededicate yourself or be a member or join the church or be baptized I got some awesome shirts we're going to be using for people to get baptized it says on the front I have decided and on the back to follow Jesus and uh, so we'll, we'll have those so if you want to get baptized again get a t-shirt go ahead uh, and that's, not the, that's not the reason that's not the reason go ahead and lead us in the stand of verse God's leading you. Come ahead right now. Come on.
All right, don't forget the cupcakes individually wrapped on the back uh, table. And uh, pick up on the Romans Roads. And God bless you. Stay well, stay healthy, and stay close to God. Amen. Thank you for being here.